somewhere in the city that defines holiday magic is a man who wants a little eggnog with his mistletoe. And that guy would like to carol you. Featuring the musical stylings of Mel Bunny and the Green and Colored Singers. Still to come. She's heralding the arrival of the Shepherd and the Messengers, Catherine Warnock. He's the bedeviling benefactor in The Ship, Neil McDonough. And Ann Wilson still believes in Christmas in the spotlight. Christmas And now, live from Times Square, where all the Wild West saloons are open again for business, here's that Kevin! Now, Dave, you know that's just patently false. There's not a, a gathering of Wild West saloons in Times Square. Um... There's some watering holes, I'll grant you that, but no, there's not. There's not Wild West saloons, and they're not going to have shoot 'em ups. Uh, but yes, the the appellate court judge for the second time in a row has told uh, New York State, uh, no, you can't have gun control laws that limit uh, the person's right to carry. Sorry, we have to repeat the last time, but yeah, that's the way it works. It's we're not gonna, you're not gonna get another shot at this. It's been struck down again. All right, let's get some news. Fox News reported this week that the Biden administration is coming under scrutiny for giving nearly $3 billion in tax dollars by way of loans to a climate firm that then would muscle up old people and force them to buy their solar panels. GOP investigators described it as disheartening uh, that uh, U.S. tax dollars were being used to put the screws to seniors. They called it a really sad day. When the president was asked, he just called it Thursday. Speaking of Democrats parading as criminals, Hunter Biden has had nine new charges introduced against him for felonies in California under federal tax violations. The changes carry with them a maximum of 17 years in prison, to which the first son was overheard replying, does that mean I don't have to pay child support while I'm in? Okay, I'll turn myself in. At this time of your traditions, like sitting with the family in front of a roasting fire, watching Christmas movies, many of them are revisited in millions of homes over and over again. In the iconic Home Alone, for example, young Kevin McAllister is seen purchasing nearly two full shopping bags of goods for only $19.37. A realistic depiction of the cost of those goods at the time. Things in there like milk and OJ and TV dinners and bread and frozen mac and cheese and laundry detergent and cling wrap and toilet paper and toy army men and dryer sheets. In 2022, the same items were totaled up in a test for $44.40, 40 
And in 2023, they come in at $72.83 this year. When asked if inflation was real and that it should concern the 2024 elections, a naked president was seen wandering the White House saying, call me corn pop. Despite his assertions to the contrary in his Fox News debate with Ron DeSantis from a week ago, the former mayor of Poopville, uh, San Francisco, uh, Gavin Newsom is facing some staggering challenges, including, not the least of which, is having spent $68 billion more than he had. And a mass exodus of residents leaving California uh, like never before. Nevertheless, sullen California governor could not be consoled, repeatedly pulling his hair, asking why, <laughs> curled up in a fetal position in the corner. I don't know. Maybe it's things like this, you know, bullying stores into carrying transgender toys when they don't sell very well and finding them if they don't keep them in stock. Things like that, probably contributing to it on some level. The ongoing UN COP28 climate summit in Dubai unveiled its new menu this year. Featured, uh, featured offerings included Wagyu beef burgers and chili Philly cheesesteak and melt-in-your-mouth smoked barbecue. Interestingly enough, the summit has spent large amount of its time focusing on attempting to get the rest of the free world from eating meat. Why should we be surprised that the UN climate experts are pigs? They eat meat, tell us not to. They tell us not to drive gas-powered vehicles. They fly gas-guzzling airplanes, private ones, uh, to these meetings. Shouldn't be a surprise. And it shouldn't be a surprise that we'll just go on ignoring them, driving our gas-powered four-wheel drive vehicles and eating our filet mignon. Mm. And finally, Time Magazine's Person of the Year, Taylor Swift, dropped some morsels in her exclusive interview this week with that outlet. Things like this. Kim Kardashian dishonestly editing a secretly taped phone call between then-husband Kanye West seen here stooping to kiss Taylor's ring finger and the now music billionaire simultaneously on Billboard's top 100 charting five albums at a time. Let's really bother that guy that she's so much better at the music business than his weirdo self. Swift also revealed that she and NFL all pros Travis Kelsey were actually dating long before that famous home game where she showed up. And lastly, she reminded people not to waste your time trying to get your enemies to like you. They're not going to, she said. And keep this in mind. The trash will always take itself out every time. Thus saith the mastermind. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin. Some Air Force Ones, they got you some markdown body lotion, gifts for mommy bumming you out. Hey! You wrapped everyone with ribbons that coil, they wrapped up your gift in aluminum foil, gifts for mommy bumming you out. You went to seven shopping malls, you drove all over town. They took one trip and found a 
stuffed all the stockings with gifts that you wrapped. They ran around the house and just found a bunch of crap. Gifts for mommy bumming you out. Hey, it's a holiday party. All the moms are drunk. Dippity dip. They only want to talk about Taylor Swift. It's getting a little bit perverted. Talking about her and her boyfriend now. I am just so happy for her. It's a holiday party. It's really people A lot of small talk. You want to be home. A scrolling TikTok. So exactly at 9 o'clock, you'll be sneaking out the back door now. Eating a salad delivery comes. Somebody sends a box of cinnamon buns. You're trying to eat healthy, but now that is done. They're mostly frosting and they're coated in rum. Yummy, yum, yum, metabolism. Yeah. I have one more. It's kind of slow. Will you join me for this one? Let's do this. I hate daylight savings. Yes, yes. Because it's too dark to Stigmatism, actually. And it's getting cold. And we don't have that perception ability. It is really stigmatism. Everything's visibly sparkly now. Oh my god, I have my little sunshine light. It came early for me. Me, he's fine. And also her. It gets really slow here. We'll be home before the sun sets. True, and in my pajamas. What it would be like if Bing narrated the holidays. Coming right back, that Kevin show. guest is someone who is from one of the most popular TV franchises that has ever been launched. And I am not kidding when I say this. It is not in contention for the best faith-based television series of all time. It is of the quality and it is of the storytelling that I think puts it in the conversation of one of the best television shows ever. Uh, But this Christmas, the um, telling of the beginning of the story is coming back to theaters. And here to discuss it with us is the vice president of original content for 
The Chosen. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome Catherine Warnock. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you with us. Um, you've spent a lifetime focusing on content and kind of strategic ways for different companies. And you've really made a name for yourself in the fact that you think outside the box and you kind of look at things and find unique uh, ways to um, promote and market and, and understand the media that people are consuming. Um, what attracted you to The Chosen? What was it about The Chosen Project that made you want to be part of this team? It's a, it's a really fascinating story, actually. I was head of faith and family content at MGM Film Studios at the time, working under Mark Burnett and Roma Downey. Mark Burnett's one of the most prolific producers of our time, If for those that don't know. Survivor, Handsmaid Tale, The Voice, that's Mark. Um, and he and his wife, Roma, love the Lord. And um, the pilot episode, The Shepherd, came across my desk. And I ended up watching the entire thing in one sitting, which you just don't do in Hollywood. We watch something for five, 10 seconds. We know what we have. We almost always X out of it. And I was properly crying by the end of it. And I remember I immediately emailed Mark and Roma and I said, this will take over the world. This will be <laughs> one of the biggest shows of all time. You have to acquire this. And so that was my start. I saw in it the humanity for the first time. It was that permission to be in process. It was the Jesus that I felt I knew so well. And through The Chosen um, and through this journey, I've just gotten to know him more and more. And it's, it's that authenticity. It's that grit. It's allowing for the messiness that we see in the Bible, but we don't always see portrayed in faith content. Um, so that was what was unique. And that is what I knew. I said, this, this has the Lord on it. This will take over the world. And how did you go from uh, Mark and Roma, and they are exceptional people. I've mm -hmm. uh, talked with them many times and appreciate all that they've done to advance positive messages uh, in the culture. But get from there to Dallas and team. What was the, what was the connection there? Yeah. So um, I, I remember at MGM I, for years, um, because there, it was years before The Chosen became where it kind of broke through the zeitgeist, if you will. And I remember checking in with our licensing department regularly. Did we land it? Did we land it? And <laughs> then finally they said, yeah, yeah. So finally they said, no, we didn't. And I was heartbroken. I was like, mm. we've, we've missed, we've missed the white whale. So skip ahead. Um, I had had my third child. I was on maternity leave. It was during COVID, the lockdowns at the time. So the second season was just starting to roll out. And my husband said, you have to watch this TV show on an app. It's my, my husband typically hates Christian content, but he was like, you have to watch this. And I was like, who puts a TV show on an app? That is so cheesy. Cause I'm like old school Hollywood. Right. And, um, anyways, I ended up watching it. The series called the chosen and about two and a half episodes in it hits me, Kevin. I just went this, because this the shepherd's the not, yes, because <laughs> the shepherd, which is the pilot episode for the chosen isn't part of the series. And so there's no way right. I would have known. So I did research. I discovered it was the same thing. Um, we immediately paid it forward, um, my husband and I, and um, before I knew it, people started sending me a job opening for vice president of marketing. And I just kept deleting it because I was like, I don't want to be a vice president of marketing. Like, I'm, marketing is not my jam. Content's my jam. And um, I kept deleting it until my mentor sent it to me. And when she sent it to me, I said, she probably feels the Lord on this. Let me apply. And before I knew it, Brad Pello and I agreed I was not the right fit for, uh, Brad Pello is the president of The Chosen, mm -hmm. that I was not the right fit for marketing, but he created a producer role for me and here I am. Yeah. 
Well, they're about to to roll out season four in February of 2024, which is very exciting. Um, but somewhere between The Shepherd and season three, you guys came up with this Christmas with the Chosen concept that has gone to theaters. Um, and it's coming back uh, December 12th through the 17th. So next week, uh, it will be back in theaters uh, for those limited number of days. And it has all the same earmarks and trappings and wonderful, delicious visuals and storytelling and character development and emotion and all the other stuff. Um, what? Wh why should people grab their friends and drag them kicking and screaming if necessary to the theaters on December 12th? It's magical. We we this is the first time we've ever blended together the messenger and the, the messengers and the shepherd. So it's two tellings from different angles of the birth of Christ. One angle is from the, the the viewpoint of the shepherd, and the other viewpoint is from Mary and Joseph. And and we just wanted to have an experiment and test and see what would it be like if we wove them together into a brand new feature. So essentially And did you actually take the storylines and intersperse them with each other or exactly. are they separate? Okay. No, they're not separate at all. They're one. So it's the creating of a new story that's completely, far more integrated. Completely, yes. And far more um it's a more of a three sixty viewpoint to where you're understanding what's happening from all angles. You have you have beautiful context. And so the first time we watched it, because it was just an experiment for us, Kevin, to see if we could create a hallmark, if you will, a tradition that people could gather around every year. And we were in tears. Dallas and Amanda watched it for the first time, and they were on an airplane just crying because none of us understood the magic that could happen um, by weaving them together as yeah. one. Um, and so that's what we're really hoping people come away going, oh, I, it, it truly is a new piece of content. Well, similar to your story, um, Dallas Jenkins on this show and in many public venues has told his own story of where he was when he began um, developing The Chosen. And he was basically at the end of the road. I mean, he had kind of like exhausted all of his human opportunities and in his own kind of strength, power and fame and, you know, abilities, he had kind of come to the end of whatever that was on its own. And this was God's work that he did in and through him. And it sounds like even in, in you coming to be on the team, and as I've interviewed many of the st uh, staff and cast members, um, they all have kind of similar stories that whether, they, whether they're a believer or not, there's like this divine kind of spark that they felt like touched them when this project came along. Um, the, the, the long lasting impact of this, you talked about it being a family tradition, you know, mm -hmm. Families still watch White Christmas every year, uh, and it was made in the 40s or something. Um, I, I see a very long trajectory for this. And starting with The Star a few years ago, and now a musical like Journey to Bethlehem and something like Christmas with the Chosen, there's a, there's a whole new platter of mm -hmm. actual Christmas narrative that is much more traditionally oriented on the birth of Christ that is getting into the culture. How do you feel about that? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that the chosen has opened up and taken further what Mark and Roma, for example, and so many others have been trying to forge yeah. for the last several decades, and myself included. For the last 20 years, I've been trying to bridge mainstream content with faith-based content and make them not so isolated and separate, but instead you know, intertwined yeah. and coexisting. And so th this is thrilling. I think people often look at Hollywood and say, it's so dark, it's so evil. And I just look at Hollywood and I see so much immense hope. Uh, Catherine Warnock, so appreciative of your efforts and your diligence and your persistence and your willingness to be with us tonight. Thank you for being here.
Thank you for having me, Kevin. Kevin McCullough coming to you live from Times Square and coming right back on That Kevin Show. Christmas time, here we go. Thank you so much for being with us. And I want to say, uh, similar to what I said in the opening tonight, if you missed my uh, opening monologue, uh, I cannot be grateful enough for the audience that is as generous as you are. Um, I am so excited because in February, we set out on this uh, goal of trying to, to reach 192 enslaved persons to liberate them and as of yesterday i got the news that we had in fact liberated number 192 uh, on that slave liberation list in the year 2023 so thank you for every single one of you that gave gifts some of you gave monthly some of you gave uh, 25 dollars a month for 10 months some of you gave 250 dollars a month for multiple months and i am i'm grateful every one of for every one of you um, I, I want to say that in you can't underestimate the good that has occurred in the lives of the people that that that, that has happened to these 192 women and children, and some of them are the children of slaves that we have liberated previously, which is another amazing story. And just so wonderful about this time of year. I love telling you the good news at this time of year because we've we've once again uh, set out. We've done what we've set out to do, which was to uh, liberate uh, these um, that are that are the most uh, forgotten on planet Earth. So thank you. Now it has come to my attention that in the last uh, month or so, uh, we have discovered CSI has discovered that we could liberate another sixteen individuals that have been identified and are ready to be liberated and we still have time this christmas to get them to get them out um i don't want to i don't want to ignore what we've done but i want to say would you please help us liberate these these 16 additional people uh these are these are women and children again that have been in custody that that is that is not their own uh, for a number of years, uh, and we were always in the process of discovering who is still left, and you know, getting word from the the retrievers as to where they are finding them. But we have found uh, an additional sixteen that need our help here before the end of the year. Uh, the number is still the same: eight 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 three four two ten ten eight 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 three four two ten ten. My family and I are going to liberate at least two of these. Uh, in the uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, so that would leave 14 that we need to yet liberate before the end of the year. Are there 14 of you watching right now or listening right now that could just say, Kev, I've heard you talk about the Slave Liberation Project all year long. Uh, we wanted to do something. We didn't get involved, but we will do this now. Are there 14 of you that would liberate one slave at this very moment? $250 one-time gift or two gifts of 125 or five gifts of 50, however you need to do would, would take care of that. But would you, would you please do that right now? 
uh, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. If you're just joining us and it's the very first time you're hearing about this, uh, there is slave, uh, there are people being held as slaves uh, on planet Earth. In fact, there's more people in slavery right now than at any point in time in human history. Where we are focusing our efforts are on women that were kidnapped and uh, taken as slaves in the Sudan Civil War. Uh, in the last 15 years, we have helped liberate more than 135,000 of these people. Uh, that means there's still 35 to 40,000 people uh, left that have not been liberated. But, you know, with another 192 liberated this year, that's 192 lives that have been recaptured and, and re-given for their own welfare. Uh, your gift, your $250 gift, basically supplies everything the slave needs to start their life over again, including a year's worth of food, a year's worth of seed grain to plant for more food, uh, tarps and other things to help with living conditions, utensils to cook, fish, garden with, um, a little she-goat that will help uh, give them uh, a sense of micro-enterprise. They can have more goats. Uh, they can uh, empower themselves uh, through the economy that that builds. They also get milk and cheese and other food items from the goat. All of these things are included in your $250 one-time gift. Would you give right now and help us finish this year and get these final 16 um, additional people out that we have discovered who they are, we know where they're at, and we know that we can liberate them before the end of the year? 888-342-1010. 888-342-1010 is the number. 888-342-1010. Uh, you can also give online at bringherhome.org, bringherhome.org, bringherhome.org. .org, but we need your gifts right now and ask that you would be as generous as you can. Uh, these final, uh, well, now 14, because my family is going to give for two of them. Uh, they they need our help desperately. We need you to stand with us and to make sure we get all of these uh, ladies home this year for Christmas. The Christmas present is they get to spend uh, Christmas and the rest of their life with their families that they have been uh, kept away from for the past better part of uh, two decades. 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, or bringherhome.org. Welcome back. My next guest is someone that uh, I needed no introduction to because I was a fan dating all the way back to his portrayal of one of the more memorable characters in the Band of Brothers uh, So, uh, quite a while ago. Uh, but he has since had uh, very good roles on Suits and Yellowstone and a number of other uh, series that uh, you've probably uh, heard about. But he's also... Uh, in, in his newest project called The Shift by Angel Studios, portraying uh, a very bedeviling character called the Benefactor. Uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome Neil McDonough. Hello, Neil. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Um, so it's not your typical holiday fair. In fact, uh, it's, a, it's a telling of the biblical story of Job, and it's pretty hard hitting but i would say at the same time i found it to be immensely moving you you get to play kind of the bad guy in this but what was it about the project as a whole that caught your eye 
Oh, wow. There's, there was so much to it. When I read the script, it really, you know, you, you were you saying that it's not really a Christmas film. That, that's where it's, it, you know, I, I equate this to, to kind of, it's a wonderful life. You know, hmm. it, it, they're, they're putting the lead character through the ringer. And Christopher Palaha just does it so darn well. And I get to play the Barrymore character, you know, the, the very, but more than that, I, I play the benefactor who's, who's basically Lucifer. But the way that originally this, this project came to me, I said no, because I said, oh, I've played so many great villains, but I don't think I can play the devil. That's going a little too far. <laughs> and then my wife and I prayed over it and talked about it. And she said, well, look, you're probably the best villain in Hollywood. You have one of the best relationships with God of any actor in town. You kind of have to play this part because they asked you to do it, so you should do it. And see if you can infuse something different into the devil that hasn't been seen before. Maybe hmm. humanity, maybe something, because... At one point, Lucifer was one of God's guys, and he fell off the rails. And we all, at times in our lives, fall off the rails and, and do things that we're not proud of. And it's how you get back up that dictates what kind of man or woman you are, especially for him. And at the end of the film, you see Lucifer really grappling with the idea of, my gosh, how do you, does this guy have so much faith in God after the torture that I've put him through? And he wishes he had that love for God still. He wishes he could figure out how to go back to his old ways. And to see some, you know, to, to actually kind of have feelings of sympathy for the devil at the end was something that I never would have gotten to mm. had my wife, Ravey, not kind of challenged me on digging deeper in, into this character, not just playing a character, but really just going for it. And me being a method guy, I, I love dredging up all the stuff that I can to, to make the performance as good as possible because I, I like to entertain people. My dad said, if they give you a dollar, give them $2 worth of effort. So I always <laughs> pride myself on that Irish hardworking lunch pill mentality of acting. So uh, I'm very, very proud of the show. Yes. As the McCulloughs and McDonough's would know growing up, we've, we've right. been challenged that way a lot. Um, I, I just want to say that um, Neil's one of the hardest working guys in Hollywood. He's, he's on the set of a, of a current project and he's got new stuff lined up coming down the, the path. Um, I do know that um, Chris talked about working with angel studios being kind of, revolutionary in his thinking because and you've you've experienced this you've been on sets where you don't know if the project's going to be financially viable you don't know if people are going to uh put uh their fannies in seats to go see it and yet the kind of wild thing about angel studios is that it's completely funded by the people who will go see it and they've already decided so in voting with their dollars to make it well they had six thousand people chip in money from five dollars to thousands of dollars so you have this built-in audience that really cares about their their precious baby, especially, you know, this one, The Shift, which was really kind of top to bottom all the way through the Angel Guild and the formats as they did and how they put it all together. And uh, So they have a built-in massive fan core, which is unlike any other studio in Hollywood. And then whatever money they put in, Angel matches the rest, and then you get the budget for your film. So you take a, a director That's like incredible. Brock Heasley first-time director they gave him an, a healthy-ish budget to to tell his first film and you know people are really gravitating towards this film because there, there really isn't anything out there on the landscape that the whole family can go to and kind of talk about the movie when you're done anymore those days seem to be long gone and it's too bad and you know hollywood makes a very dark different type of fare and, and i'm i'm guilty of being part of a lot of it <laughs> but now that I have the, the opportunity to make films that amplify light, especially now that we have the McDonough Company as a first look deal with Angel Studios, that every project that I write is always kind of in the same wheelhouse as Angels. 
So we decided, well, let's work together and build yeah. more projects, TV or film that, that really amplify the light in life and that the whole family can watch together and be, and be part of something. And, and, you know, speaking for Reve, I, I couldn't be happier to be working with Angel Studios for, for a very long time to come. And, and, well, yeah, I want to not give the, the whole story away, but I want to compliment um, your portrayal that you were talking about at the end of the show, because um, th I've always thought, you know, Job's the oldest book in, in the text of Scripture. So we, we the, the portrayal of Lucifer is not long after the fall, if right around the time of the fall. Uh, and so there's, the, you know, the whole angel of light and deception. There's a couple of times when the the Chris character, who happens to be named Kevin, um, actually uh, accuses the Lucifer character of, of being dishonest, of being a liar, which we know is a scriptural uh, name that he's given. And even towards the end, when you're when you're compounding all the emotion in that final scene, there's this struggle in your character to not want to break his own character in terms of telling the lies, but you see the evil starting to, to kind of seep out in ways that it, it hadn't previously in the film. And I just have to say on the scale of everything that I think the average moviegoer expects out of films nowadays, especially uh, mainstream films, you get the full emotional gamut of what these characters are, are grappling with. And Neil, this has been missing in family oriented uh you know, entertainment for a long time. And Angels, of course, with the chosen success has really exploded on the scene with this. But there is an element to this movie that is so raw. You can take anybody who's on any level of their faith journey to see it, and they're going to be moved by right. the story. Yeah, I, I think, look, the films that Reve and I want to put out there and keep putting out are, at the end of the film, it should challenge you to be a better human being. Neil McDonough, time has been way too short. Thank you for being with us. Uh, come back on your future projects. We'd love to talk about what you're doing in the future as well. But thanks for this offering for our families for this holiday. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. God bless you and everything you do. You have a great show. Coming right back from Times Square, it's That Kevin Show. Don't change the dial. Christmas time, here we go. That Kevin Show. With a no drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. It's the joy of the holidays, and we wish our friends a happy Hanukkah, and I wish you a deeply Merry Christmas. Here's Ann Wilson. It's Christmas all around me, so why is Christmas hard to find? December snow is falling down like island to my could use some hope right now Cause right now hope is hard to see
still believes in Christmas. Friends, I hope you do too, and I hope you'll join us. Uh, coming up, uh, Christmas Eve Eve, we've got a very special That Kevin Show Christmas special that I hope you'll join us for. And of course, be back next week 